Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. How do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview and we're back this week with another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Lee Gillis. I'm Gordon Henderson. And I'm Scott Young. So you'll notice we've got a a few notable absentees this week. Doug is still playing golf like a big fairy and Michael has got other things to do instead. But nonetheless, a, a decent panel and Scott Young to join us this week as well, which might take the tone down a little bit, but we'll see how well he behaves himself as, as he's on his final strike, if he's going to get back or not. But unfortunately, we're, we're here again to, to talk about yet another Fife defeat. And again, it's I'm going to come to you first, Gordon. It's another really tough one to take because I felt that we should have walked away with at least a point yesterday. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it kind of a little bit different from some of the more recent defeats. I think we we did deserve at least a point yesterday. Um, we were obviously up. We lost two goals, um, but something that was really good. We didn't really let the heads go down. We've talked about that a lot. As soon as we go behind, kind of kind of shrink out of the game. We didn't do that yesterday. We kind of really pushed back. Had a couple of really good chances hit the post, I, I thought we'd scored. And um, to be honest, I don't think Falkirk could have had many complaints if we had equalised. Um, it makes it difficult to take in a bit of a different way. Obviously, the last few games have been hard because we've just kind of taken a spanking. Um, but yesterday, it was hard because I thought we played well enough to get the win and we just we just didn't get it. But you know, I'd rather games like that than uh, games like the you know Dumbarton, Airdrie, Clyde games. Uh, it was, it was tough, but I walked out, you know, more walked out happier and more optimistic than I had for the previous three weeks. Definitely, Scott. This will be a one that I'm sure you'll be glad to answer. But the, the performances, particularly the last two weeks, for me, shows that the players are, are still behind Darren. Definitely. They seem to be going like previously. They've it almost looked like they didn't care with some performances, like the Dumbarton one. Heads went down, and it was just like how many. But the past couple of weeks, they've come out flying. They've they've pushed everything against Falkirk's a good team. Clyde not so much, but still doing it for the manager, um, doing it for themselves as well. Because I reckon their stock's pretty low as well. If they were looking to, to go places like most players that come to East Fife want to do, they want to use it as a stepping stone. So yeah. they need to, to show why that they, they would be needed. Gordon, for me, 
I, I still can't believe that we didn't get a point out. And I know I've touched on that already, but just to give you my sort of breakdown of the match, um, I thought really for probably 60 minutes, we were by far the better team. Um, I watched the, the highlights this morning um, and probably the most biased set of highlights that I've, I've watched this season from, from Falkirk. And I kind of called that out on our Twitter page. But I was just a bit like, you know, the first half we had two shots cleared off the line and a few other chances that wasn't weren't shown. Second half, obviously, we had the one that hits off Danny Denham's arse and just goes, um, keeper manages to, to touch it around the post, plus a few other. We actually created chances yesterday and looked like on the break that we're, we're going to be able to do a little bit more than we have in previous weeks. But a big part of that for me was uh, Semple. I thought that Semple made a big difference to the, the lineup. Before I go into this, and I don't like normally digging out individuals, but a few people around me commented on it yesterday, so it's one that I'm going to bring up, and it's Andrew Asiabonsu, who honestly looks like when he comes on that he doesn't give a toss. And, you know, even a few times yesterday when he came on, there, there was times that I felt he could have really been busting I got to maybe close down a tackle that maybe the ball would stop the ball getting further up the park, or even if it's a 50-50 I don't think that he's ever going to go in for, for those type of tackles. What From what you've seen at Bonsu so far, how would you sort of sum him up? I think I, I agree with what you're saying. I think there was, there was a point yesterday where there was a kind of bouncing ball down the right um, and it, you know, you weren't quite sure whether it was going to stay in or go out and he just gave up and it ended up staying in. Like, if, you didn't, if you'd have went for that, you'd have got it. Um, and there was a point where I, f- I feel like everyone could have seen it was staying in and he just stood and watched it and a Falkirk player came and got it. Or I can't mind if it went out. But aye, there's a little bit like that. You're like, you know, especially, come on, you know, you're coming on as a late sub. We're losing. You know, surely you've got energy to burn. That, you know, if nothing else, that's what you can give us. You can give us, you know, maximum effort for that last 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is. Um, I think he's probably going to be a frustrating player. Um, yeah. Like, I think, I can't mind what game it was, but it was a few weeks ago, I gave him the three points in 3-2-1. Now, it was a bad performance. There weren't many good team performances. Seriously. Aye, that, aye, that sounds about right. But, you know, I thought he was the guy, out of everyone, that was sort of, you know, he was looking to kind of get the ball down, take people on, make something happen. Um, but, you know, he's not, He's not kind of replicating that in other games, and and uh, you know it's, it's fair enough. Maybe we talked about how probably it's a bit of a step up in level for him, and I appreciate sometimes it takes players to kind of find their feet and a new team and all the rest of it. But I have been dis- and I know he's he's been it's maybe not the position in the team that he would he choose to play himself. Maybe just off the striker. But wait a minute, been- you try to tell me that Darren's try to play a player out of position? Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, Absolutely not. But. Um, I've been disappointed the past couple of couple of weeks, and you know maybe maybe it's just that like a lot of players, like a lot of attacking players at this level, you know, it can be inconsistent and it can be quite frustrating. But I thought yesterday, you know, we didn't actually make well. Maybe we only made one change from last week, and it was simple. Yeah, it was just one for simple. And I thought that made a big difference. I thought that um, you know simple and Smith. You know, a bit more of a sort of partnership. There was a bit more link up there. Um, I think having Semple 
playing just off centre forward, kind of, you know, there was that link up between midfield and then Smith. So, you know, he felt like Kevin Smith wasn't just running about fruitlessly up front on his own. Uh, I think Semple is Semple's much better in that position than, let's say, Abonsu is. Uh, I thought Semple played really well yesterday and that did make a big difference in us sort of being able to create chances. The only thing, Scott, that I, I think the, the partnership with Kev and Semple is, is that they kind of cancel each other out because they seem to be very, very similar players, that they're probably the link between your centre forward and your, or your, your, your cam in the FIFA descriptions, your sort of attacking midfielder to your striker. They're that sort of link between the two of them. I think yesterday showed that we really are missing that cutting edge up front. Really, really just somebody that's that's going to take a gamble. I shouted that actually yesterday in a bit of frustration. Like, gamble for it. Like, if a, if a ball is going to be going, you know, towards the keeper, run in. Run in with it in case the keeper spills it and you get that chance to just tap it in. But we, we don't seem to have anybody that's going to do that for us. Yeah, the, the team kind of is missing that striker's uh, like feeling obviously um, Connell coming back next week or the week after supposedly with the, uh, Scott Ingalls' interview um, that's that could be the position so he, he could fill that and be the guy that runs in um, Smith and Semple I agree they're not they're not going to be going in doing that but they do they do look good together they do look yeah Definitely better than what we've had in recent weeks with, I can't tell you the last time we actually scored a goal, but having the pair of them brought on more chances than we've probably created in every game previously since Peter Head, I'd probably say. Yeah. Before we move on to the goals and stuff, there's there's two words that I'm going to say, um, and that's Aaron Steele. Now, this guy has been our best player two games in a row, and I mean, literally was outstanding yesterday, Gordon. I, I don't actually think I have a single negative thing to say about him. He was calm, he was composed, he made all the right decisions. Like, I mean, the Falkirk um, centre-forwards must have literally been banging their heads off the wall at half-time because they, they wouldn't literally get a sniff. It begs a question for me, though. You know, Darren has seen this guy in training week in, week out and continued to play Dunlop, who's made mistake after mistake after mistake. And then we've still signed a centre-half. Um, and I'm a bit like, you know, Chris Higgins has been looked back to his best the last two weeks. Um, Aaron Steele is the first name in the team sheet for me just now. Um, where does Divine come in? Yeah, I agree about Steele. He's been fantastic two weeks in a row. Um I mean, I don't. I mean, last season, I thought he was, he was good. He kind of played right back a bit. It's probably more of a centre half. Um, he was good, but obviously, the last two games, I think he's really kind of stepped on a bit. And it's maybe just been the case that, yeah, you know, you need to you need to put him in games and see how he does. Um, I imagine he will be keeping his place for the foreseeable future. Um, as for signing another other centre half, I did kind of. Well, I saw that we'd signed a defender and I was like, oh, left back, left back, left back. Oh, center half. <laughs> but um, to be fair, I mean, obviously we've been playing our back three the past couple of weeks. Um, yeah. And must, I suspect we'll sort of be playing that 
going forward, um, I think one of the good things about that is it sort of, you know, in some way solves the left back problem and that, you know, we just don't have to play anyone at left back. Um <laughs> But also, you know, now we're now we're really playing with three centre halves, and so you probably want a bit more cover than when you're planning to go with two. You know, if you're going with two, you pro- I guess you want four at least four centre halves in your squad to cover injuries, suspensions, all the rest of it. Now we're probably looking at needing five, I guess. You know, maybe going to back three. You know, Mercer's been playing on the left of the back three. Um, Another player really I thought played really, really well yesterday, uh, apart from the second goal. Um, he he's he got caught under the ball for the, uh, the second goal. Apart from that, I thought he was outstanding. And again, the week before, so I've kind of had to eat that humble pie a wee bit because I've been bashing on that. You know, I, I don't think Mercer was a left back, but he's been excellent the last two games. He has played very well. Uh, I would say the past couple of weeks, and I think. You know, you think of him as a fullback, and I probably think his strengths are more tend to be going forward than defending. So, you might look at it and think, "Oh, you know, playing him in a back three is potentially going to be yeah. a bit of a disaster." But he's yeah. played he's played very well, and if you know if he makes the odd mistakes, a bit for me, it's like you know, it's like McTominay going to the back three in Scotland. Um, you know, he, he might sort of make mistakes now and again that you would think of, you know, a centre half isn't going to make, but. He he has played quite well, but I think you know you're probably going to want um, obviously. Well, Dunlop wasn't even on the bench. I assume there's something wrong with him. Higgins, I don't know, is he still suspended? Um, but I'd assume he'd want you know Darno want more cover if we're going three centre halves. So the divine signing kind of makes sense. Um, but you know it's looking like a position that everyone fit and ready. There's good options. Yeah. We've got good options pretty much all over the park, apart from the position that we needed to strengthen, Scott. Um, I think it's absolutely criminal that we didn't bring in a forward between um, McGuigan and Wallace packing in. Now, there was, there was a, a sentence in the, 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 the recent um, update from the board, which, again, two weeks in a row has been great to sort of know where we're standing. But, you know, all the, the, the lost players at the 11th hour... Um, because we, we, we couldn't get in cover from their clubs. Now, I'm sorry about that. I, that excuse doesn't wash with me. And I'm going to tell you why. Scott, I'll come to you. When did McGuigan jacket? June, July, something like that. Right. Ten when days after he signed. <laughs> Wallace? Uh, August. When did we play Kelty? July, July, yeah. Right. So we've known since July that our two main centre forwards weren't going to be playing. When that left us essentially August and September to rectify that, and we were still chasing our tails coming into the the, the deadline day, the loan window. That's that's cardinal sin for me. And the question I want to ask you, Scott, is, you know. You're a, a Darren Young super fan. You probably are the chairman and founding member of the, the Darren Young Appreciation Society. Now, Darren said publicly that he, he was working, you know, day and night to try and get a striker in. But who do we blame for that then? For for him not getting in a striker. Yeah. You could blame him. You could blame the board. You could blame. He brought in Cornell, which I would say 
almost replaces Wallace. McGuigan's not been replaced at all. Like yeah. bringing him in was the excitement of the summer. The rest of the signings were yeah. all right, but bringing in McGuigan, it was like, yes, we finally got somebody up there that's, that should be able to do the business. I don't know if then because he's left at what ten days in into coming to us. Every like most other options were taken for. Yeah, that's, that's probably a, a fair shout. But there's definitely we, we had Chris Ray in. Was the issue money? He's driving home for Christmas. <laughs> Obviously, mm. like there's different factors with it all, but there should have been a, a replacement for McGuigan brought in. So, but I think that's where ultimately I'm still cheesed off, right? Because we've known really, even with Ryan Wallace there, we still needed a focal point. We needed a target man. We needed an out-and-out striker. Wallace wasn't an out-and-out striker. Kev's not an out-and-out striker. Um, I've not seen enough of Connell, but from what I have seen, I don't think he's an out-and-out striker. He's more of a Wallace-type character. Semple's more of a Wallace-type character. Those that will run themselves into the ground to, to try and create something for you. We will not survive in this league without scoring goals. And the, the fans, quite rightly this week, have been going absolutely apeshit because we've not strengthened in the one area that we desperately needed to strengthen. And that, for me, it pretty much, I, I just kind of put my hands up and went, well, that's us definitely done. How do you feel about that, Gordon? Agree, disagree? Yeah, it's hard not to agree with that. Um, I appreciate it's going to be difficult. Um, you know, really, it must be frustrating. I remember years ago, and I know we're in a different position now, but I think at the end of the Jim Muffet era, I think he was, it was like a meet the fans thing or something like that. And he was saying, you know, at the start of the summer, we identified these targets. It's like number one target, number two target, number three target. And we go out and try and get them. And, you know, we kind of get our first targets, fair enough. Kind of get our second. He's like, most of the time, we can't even get our third. So I, I kind of appreciate that managers, it's a, it's a tough job. And that's even in summer. Um, you know, and, and we thought we'd, we thought we'd got it done in summer. We thought we'd got the business we need to get done. And then boom. And suddenly, you know, you're you're in a different market. You know, there's all the, all the players that are free at the start of the summer. They aren't there anymore. You're looking at loan signings and all the rest of it. Um, but all that said, you know, we still need, you know, we need we need somebody that can play as a centre forward. It's going to be very, very tough. You know, it's going to be much harder to stay up without that. And, you know, you're not talking about somebody that's guaranteed to come in and score 20, 25 goals a season. We all know that you kind of just go out and get one of those. Um, but somebody that can sort of play that role in the team, um, you know, even if they're not scoring goals every week, somebody that can cause a bit of bother, open up a bit of space for someone else, uh, lead the line a bit. Um, you know, we, we desperately need that kind of player. And the fact that we haven't we haven't been able to get one in. At least I don't know about Kyle Connell. I've kind of I missed a few of the games that he played, so I didn't really get a chance to see him. I don't know if if he can be that kind of player or not. Um, I don't know what the where to kind of put my finger on the issue for 
not getting somebody in or who to blame, but yeah, it's going to be much tougher without someone that can play that role in the team. Because like you said, the forward players we've got, I don't think any, that's not their natural role. We'll, we'll, we'll see about Kyle Connell. Um, you know, I, I, it's probably fair to say that Sean Brown is probably not up to having that on his shoulders. Um, he's maybe not going to be that guy. So, aye, it's going to be tough. I mean, I don't know if we can do anything about it in January. But maybe that I might be too late. I think by January will be too late. I mean, we've, we've played nine games now. Scott, you were a, a big advocate. We had to wait until we played everybody once before we made a decision. You know, the, you've got to, to hang your hat on that now. Four wins out of a possible 27. Eight goals scored. 23 conceded in nine games. So a win and a draw. A win against Peterhead, both in the league and the cup, have been the highlights of the last two or three months. We've got, I've got to ask you, what, Darren, in or out? Depends who you bring in then. That's I'm- not the question. I know it's not question. With the current form, with the current form, it's impossible to say you, you like, to keep him. Yeah. But there's obviously been loads of circumstances behind that. And then who do you bring in? Well, the, the first thing I'm going to come away with, right, is you put a post up on Pine Bovril today, which brought up some some pretty big talking points. So I'm just going to go through those um, your post for those of you that haven't seen it. The rumours that everyone's talking about the budget being fucked up and due to this has clearly caused us missing the boat with many players is more than likely the reason, if they're true, that the board are keeping Darren. He's done really well at his time at us and given us some unbelievable memories, which I totally agree with, and I've said that countless times as well. The pain of these things combined will be why he's getting more time than most of our fans appreciate given most of the shouts over the last few weeks and longer for some. So... Obviously, you've you've had you know paper talk or pub chat or or whatever it is that you want to, to call it, but obviously you've hung your hung your hat on that publicly on um, on Pine Bovril. So, can you talk to maybe our listeners about what your thoughts are behind that? What what do you mean? So you've you've came out and said that the the rumours about the the budget being fucked up. So first of all, what what are those rumours for those of for those of our listeners that don't know? So, at the game the other week, the guys behind us were talking about that the budget got given to the club at the start of the season and they worked to however much it was. Then, when, when once every, like, guys had left and whatnot, um, they were trying to obviously have other targets, they were trying to get other players in, and everyone knows we missed out on guys like Jordan Foster, um, Gregor Buchanan McGeever um, so obviously missed out on these guys due to budget then supposedly more money became available um, or put forward to, to bring in these sort of players however most of them's all got clubs they don't wait about when you've got a player of that quality they're, they're definitely not short of offers and waiting for us to offer a good amount of money or whatever so they were saying that Obviously missed them, missed out on some other players that we went for, and now there's money sitting there that can't be spent because there's not players to bring in. So my point was more because everyone was moaning, um, saying, "Oh, the board's not sacked that, and they've not done this." 
that was more me thinking, why? Why haven't they? With in normal days, East Five wouldn't keep a manager with four points out of what 20, 27 you said. They wouldn't you no manager would keep that. So but then I'm you, like, so then there then, must be something behind that. Do you think it's a sense of duty or is it a sense of guilt that they're, that they're not doing it, that they're saying, well, actually, part of this is is our fuck-up? If, if it's true, like, it's purely going on what, what people have been saying. It's been in the, the group chat that's gone about and everything. So if it's yeah. true, then, yeah. Like, wouldn't if, you'd, if you were the bosses and you'd almost fucked up for everyone else, but you would... You wouldn't go about sacking them. You would be like, shit, I'm the one that's made the mistake, so I kind of need to let them try and rectify it. Because what I've heard was that the initial budget was in place with us having no fans and obviously no hospitality. So the board have sort of erred on that side of caution where they've just kind of went, well, you know, I don't want want to give you too much and then us not have any money and us be hooked at the end of the season. Then when the fans were allowed back in, they've went, right, okay, now we can give you some more cash. But either way, all the clubs around us still spent that money. You know, they still went, all right, okay, well, we'll we'll throw caution at the wind and, and just say, well, worst case scenario, we're, we're going to be skint. So it's kind of difficult because I think that the way that the board are looking at it is, well, we're still going to make sure that there's a club at the end of this if we don't get any fans back. But equally, it's hamstrung us. But... Look, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I think that the people that we really need to hear from are the board, because, I, I, I mean, I heard it yesterday, I've heard it at Bayview, the fans, the last two games, have gave Darren zero shit, none, that I've heard, right, and it's all turning, the tide is seriously turning on the board, now, I find criticising the board really difficult because they're East Fife people, right? They're, they're, they're black and gold through and through. It's not like Man United with the Glazers where, you know, the, the club's been run solely for money. You know, there, there's there's not, there's no money really to be made profit out of East Fife that's going to line a shareholder's pocket, right? Fundamentally, the people that are at the club have got the best interests, but there's some serious changes that need to be made at that level for me. Um, someday it needs, and I've said it on social media today, it needs to be Sunday's sole job, full time, to be bringing money into the club. Now, you go to any other ground, like I was in uh, at Falkirk yesterday, there's sponsorship boards everywhere, literally walking out the ground, blooming Pepe's Chicken, Pepe's Chicken's proud to sponsor um, Falkirk FC, there was local taxi companies, there was fruit and veg merchants, there was everything Baron Avon advertisement on the, the walls. Even going for a pee, there's stuff everywhere and it's clearly they've got somebody in that's their sole mission to bring as much cash into the club so they could reinvest it. And what I wonder, Gordon, is if we had somebody doing that all the time, could that then be reinvested into the club to give us a more successful team on the park? And if that's the case, obviously that would need to be a full-time job. So say we pay that person, you know, standard sales salary, Scott and I work in sales, say 20 to 23 grand plus bonus, you know, that that would be an, an attractive enough salary. Plus you're getting to work in the football industry, which a lot of people I'm sure would love to do and then play a part in turn in making it a more successful team on the park. Yeah, I mean, you know, in theory, if you could, if you could get someone in, you know, let's say you're paying them, you know, twenty three grand, and then a bonus 
depending on the contract, you know, if 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 that person could bring in more significantly more than twenty three grand a year, absolutely, yeah, you know, that'd be worth it. I think it's it's always it's always difficult. I think you know, especially with clubs like you mentioned, that clubs that are in they're not one of the top clubs. It's not like every decision gets scrutinised in the media. It's quite difficult to either to know what's going on, to know who's doing what, to know how good a job anybody's doing. I think something, you know, a feeling that I get, and it's probably kind of agreeing with what you're saying here, is that we sometimes lack a bit of ambition. And I don't mean, you know, Kelty Hearts, here's a brown paper bag type of ambition, Willie Gray type stuff. But a a few things you talked about, this sort of, you know, we're making sure we have a club. It's like, yeah, that's... That's the bottom line, and, and nothing's got to put that in jeopardy. But, you know, you've got to sort of weigh up being um, sort of risk-averse and taking a wee punt. Now, I think, you know, they could well point out to, well, you know, we kind of pushed the boat out, you know, to saying, you know, we paid money for Ryan Wallace. We obviously paid a decent amount of money um, in wages for Danny Swanson. Now, that's not worked out, but, you know, we kind of did that. Um, so I think you know you have to you have to recognise that you can't just go oh we're going on a you know absolute skeleton budget just with this excuse that to keep the club going like you need to you need to try and kind of push sometimes and I think maybe this season we've just been that bit too conservative when everyone else has gone you know we'll we'll err a little bit more on the side of risk we'll take a punt that things are not going to be quite as bad as they were last year. And that's paid off. And if it's true that we've just gone, you know, we are budgeting for basically disaster, worst case scenario, and then it's like, oh well, it's not. You know that that will that if that's what happened, then you know it's it clearly looks like it's been a quite a big mistake. Um, and I think you know sometimes, you know, like you're saying, does does it feel that we are doing as much as we can to bring money into the club? Does it feel like we are doing as as much as we can? To get new fans in, to really, you know, not not to go out and splash money and put the club in jeopardy, but to kind of do things that grow the club. Are we, and you know, maybe getting someone in, you know, maybe looking at bringing someone in that can do these types of things. Is that something we're looking at, or is it just, you know? And I totally appreciate what you say. It's you know, it's guys that are he's fly through and through. They're putting their time and they're putting their effort, but. You know, no matter who you are, you never have all the answers. Are we are we looking outside to try and get some of those answers, or are we just kind of happy to idle along and be a bit too cautious? Um, it's very difficult to say. You know, I could say this stuff, and somebody that knows what's going on might legitimately say, "Oh, you're talking a lot of shite there." Um, but the bottom line is, some you know, you just don't know without being in there. You, you don't know, and you know that's. That's a bit of the impression I get sometimes. Scott, obviously you've had a bit of experience in, in working with the club and, and trying to bring some some revenue in in the past. When you were there, what was your sort of your remit? Like, what was your what was it you're told? Right, okay, we need you to bring in X amount of pounds, or is it just go and try and get what you can? I only did it short term. It was just a ad hoc, you, you could say, but it was just bring in what you can speak to like 
I went in to try and use some of my clients to try and push them into the club. Um, I think it was it was Ken that was there, so it was pushing stuff to Ken and giving him out like um, we deal with Paddy Power at my work, so I pushed them over and just pushing over utility companies and things that are constantly looking to sponsor football teams like they've got Rangers, Dundee United, even Falkirk's the Energy Check Stadium, Partick Thistle's the same. It was yeah, just... but what, what you tend to find is these energy companies, I mean, I've worked with a utility before, and they wanted, so they would say, oh yeah, we'll give you X amount, but we want to supply our gas and electricity, so they're automatically making that money back. So I don't think there's always the the windfall that you think that you might actually be getting. And if the club, obviously, we've got the, the all the... Uh, renewable energy stuff behind us which I'm sure we'll sort of be using that to, to pay some of our bills but it was just again it was just I knew you'd done a, a bit of that in the past so I thought I'd ask the question just to wrap up the game from yesterday um, we'll go back in a bit about that Scott I know you missed it so we'll talk um, a bit more about you um, Gordon in terms of where my frustrations lay yesterday I think that you again like I said already couldn't fault the effort of the players I thought at times were maybe a wee bit narrow I think that Falkirk were there for taking on the wings. Um, the amount of times that Danny Denham couldn't get a cross or a decent cross in had me bashing my head across the wall. But I'm pretty sure he, he was maybe a little bit tired having just had a, a newborn baby. So congratulations to, to Danny and his missus. And appreciate that, you know, that, that footballers are humans as well and they've got things going on outside of work. So we'll not give them too much a, a hard time for that. For me, the biggest frustration was our game management yesterday. And it's been something that I've been quite critical of Dan in the past. At 1-0 yesterday, we needed to make changes because Kevin looked tired, um, Danny looked tired. And obviously our options on the bench aren't exactly exactly sexy, let's be honest. Um, but I would have still have said, you know, Kevin put in a fair shift yesterday, you know, take him off and, and bring on Brown. You know, we, we all know that he's not going to offer much, but... You know, it, it, it's still better having a player that's got a bit left in the tank than than asking Kev to to try and run about if he's if he's knackered. Um, you've then got Danny Denham again, who just looked, you know, scunnered by the end of the day. But we wait and we we leave these changes too long. We concede two goals, and then these two boys come on and we pick up our momentum again. It reminded me of the Morton game. It reminded me of the Patrick Thistle game where we leave our changes too late. The game swings in the other direction. And by that time, you know, you've, you've lost your goals and this game over. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes tough because, you know, you, you don't know, you know, we could have made changes and still could have lost. But I think it's been a, probably a consistent niggle. And I think I've mentioned it before on here that sometimes I feel like we were not not really proactive with substitutions. I mean, at halftime, Falkirk made a change. They brought on Kina. He ended up scoring the winner. You know, they they had a little period of dominance after after halftime. But you're right, we didn't make a change. We didn't make a change until much later. Um, I can't remember the exact changes we made. I think Smith... Smith came off. Did Osea Bonsu come Smith, on? Smith came on for... Um, Osea Bonsu came off for Smith... And then Liam Watt came on for Danny Denham. Denham yeah. And then Sean Brown came on, but I can't remember who 
I think maybe Semple. I'm just literally going to check that for yesterday, the times that we made the subs. Um, 75th minute, yep, yeah, Osea Bonsu for Kev. 79th minute, Liam for Danny. And then 86th minute, we brought on Sean Brown for Semple. But so we were, we were 2 1 down by the time we made a sub. Yeah. That, we did it. it. We did it straight after we lost the second goal. Literally straight really after late. Kina yeah. um, scored, we made the changes that should have been made ten minutes prior to that. And yeah. it just it just shows me, you know, the the expression "dither and Darren's been been thrown around a, a few times, and that was exactly what happened yesterday. You know, we need he needs to be brave enough to make the calls earlier and hang his hat on those decisions because by being so lackadaisical in his approach. It, it could have easily cost us that goal yesterday. It cost could have cost us points. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even if you go back to a few years ago when we had the, you know, we do, we do the old two and two with strikers, you know, we start with two up front and then maybe by about the 60, 65th minute, we get the other two on. And the good thing about that is that, you know, whichever two are starting, you can kind of say to them, look, go about, you know, run yourself into the ground we're not expecting you to play the 90. You know, you're playing for an hour, a bit over an hour. That That's what you need to kind of, that's what you need to have in your head. You're not going to last the 90. And then you bring the other two on. It's like, right, you've got half an hour. You know, you, again, you're not having to play an hour and a half. So, you know, put maximum kind of energy into that. If we are basically being just really reactive with our subs, you know, we're not, it doesn't look like we're kind of, looking to make changes before things happen. Um, you know, and again, someone like Kev, it's like, well, maybe you're playing 90 minutes today. Now that's got to change the way that you play. You know, you think, you know, even if you said to him, like, you're having a half, you know, the idea is for you to play first half, we'll bring Brown on second half. Well, that changes the way that Kev can play. He doesn't have to con- sort of conserve energy. Um, and there's a few like that. If you say to players, like, look, you know, you you run yourself into the ground, and if you know if at half time, if you if you're telling me that you're knackered or you you think you've only got 10, 15 minutes more, that's fine. Um, you know, even things like that will make a difference. But yeah, we didn't we didn't we didn't really react until we were two one down, and you know that's that's a two one down, fifteen minutes to go away to Falkirk. That's a tough a tough thing to come back to, and you just think, you know, if we could have avoided getting into that situation, you know, it seems to me like it's just a bit. You know, Falkirk maybe get on top a bit. They've made a change, gives them a bit of momentum. They score. You know, they're they're on the front foot after that. Their tails are up, and we're just kind of you know crossing our fingers and hope that hope that it kind of goes all right or we can get back into the game. But by the time they score, it's too late. You know, and, and we do that so often. Like we, you know, we'll maybe be hanging on for something. We can see the goal, then we make a substitution, and you're like, the time for that was ten minutes ago. Yeah, um, just happens exactly too often. Point. Exactly. And I know there's, I know there's, you know, we've not got the options on the bench that we, that we all wish we could. You know that that part, part, you know, part of the other downside to having these players missing isn't just the starting eleven. It's that you you don't have the full range of options on the bench. I, I appreciate that, and you know maybe thinks, but you know, like you say, the subs that we made, we did bring in Osea Bonsu, Watt, and Brown. You know, they're not youth players. Their first team players or senior players. We could have made changes earlier, I think. Yeah. Before we go on, to, <coughs> excuse me, to our three to ones, I just want to talk a bit about Jude Smith again yesterday, who 
you know, it's another game he's conceded two goals, but apart from that, apart from almost punching it into his net, actually, um, I thought again was was really really good, and you know, I don't feel like we're as vulnerable from from crosses as maybe we have before, and he's just that little bit more commanding in his box than than what Gallagher is. Yeah, I agree with that. I thought he had a good game. Um, like you know, you could have been really critical. Yeah, it was maybe a wobbly moment or two, but I thought he played really well. Um, haven't seen very the replay back. Very yeah, he, I, I he was very good. He got a couple of passbacks that were a wee bit tricky, and he dealt with them very, very well. But yeah, I think um, you know the last two games, ah, you can look at four goals conceded, but from what I remember, I, I don't think really done much. No, I don't. I don't. I, they're not. They're not ones that I'm expecting the goalkeeper to save. And I think he's generally he's generally handled everything quite well. And I'd be surprised if he's not kind of you know got the gloves basically. Hope so, anyway. But we move on to our three two ones, and I'll let you go first this week. Uh, I'll do it in reverse order. One point, Aaron Dunsmore. I thought he played really well. I think he's he's uh, he's definitely looking a bit more like. Aaron Dunsmore of, I was going to say old, but, you know, a year ago, a year or two ago. Um, I think maybe he's obviously playing wing-back now. Maybe that kind of suits him a bit more. Um, but, yeah, just really solid performance yesterday. Two points I'm giving to Semple. I mean, we, talk, we talked about him before. I thought he made a big difference. A lot of energy. Linked up midfield and attack. Very well, made a nuisance of himself and three points to Aaron Steele. Again, we talked about him, just a fantastic performance. Really solid, kind of no-nonsense. And just a comment my dad made about him yesterday, I totally agree with it. He was like, oh, it's nice to have a defender that looks like he enjoys defending. And I think that's true about Steele. He just he looks like he wants to defend. You know, that that's what he likes doing. That's what he's going to do. Um, not looks like a really promising player. So player that just missed out uh, in the mix as well was Danny Denham. I thought he had a really good game. If his crossing was better, he would have been uh, he would have been in there. So I'm going to give a shout for uh, my three points. The man who deserves the Ballon d'Or himself is Aaron Steele. Again, he was, he was excellent. Um, just so comfortable on the ball as well. He read everything that um, what's the boy's name? Is it Ruth? No. Yeah. Yeah, Ruth, um, um, Kina, um, and it's, it's not Higgins as well. It's up front for them. What's his name? Higdon? Higgins? I can't remember the other guy. They gave me my H. Um, all them sort of threw at him in the, the the first half as well. I thought he was honestly, honestly brilliant. Um, apart from that, um, I need to figure this boy's name because it's going to be my head in there. Is it Man Burnesbit? Yeah, it's about that, that's what I meant. Yeah, the man, the, the man won himself. Um, I thought, yeah, <laughs> I thought Steele was was honestly tremendous yesterday and, and well deserving of three points. And if there's anybody that deserves a two year contract, let's give it to him now and hopefully sell him for a fee when somebody actually wants to come and pay something for him because I do think he's that good. He's the sort of player that probably Falkirk were looking at yesterday going, yeah, we could probably bring him in, you know. Um, and you could tell the difference when these boys have been trained and played with a professional team. From a young age, you know, Smith um, and goals and Steele, you know, constant communication all the time um, was, was clear to see. Um, my two points, to be honest, it was actually, again, it was difficult because so many of our players played really, really well. 
Um, but two points I'm going to give to Scott Mercer. Um, I thought that Mercer um, really uh, looked like he had a point to prove yesterday. And to be honest, I would have probably maybe even given him the three points had it not been for his uh, being caught under the ball for, for the second goal. But I thought he was he was really, really good and ran himself into the ground yesterday and was looking to try and make things happen down that left-hand side. Um, and in terms of a point... It's difficult because obviously we could give it to Semple, but I'm actually going to give it to Kieran Miller because once he's got the chance to watch his goal again, it's actually beautiful how he manages to get that in. It's almost a back heel sweep into the net. Um, that wasn't an easy finish by any stretch of the imagination. And to do it when the team's confidence is low um, was, was great to see. So a point to Mr Miller for me. Um, so before we move on to our next section, which is going to be our, our Q1 review, um, for the, the season let's hear from this week's sponsor since I forgot to do that significantly earlier on the show East Fife Community Football Club is proud to sponsor Glory Days of Gold keep up to date with all our community programmes through our Facebook and Twitter pages there are classes available for every age and ability from toddlers to walking football just search East Fife Community Football Club Today's podcast is brought to you by John W. Gilbertson Limited, a small, friendly, family firm of solicitors based in Glenrothes, who specialise in buying and selling residential property, wills, powers of attorney and executory work. On your team, on your side, supporting you all the way to achieve your goals. Well, it is a football show after all. Hi, I'm Tam McManus and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. So welcome back. We're moving on now to our Q1 review and to talk about how the the first nine games have, have shaped up. And we've, we've sort of touched on it a bit more in the earlier section, but there's been a lot of questions from, from you guys, our listeners. And by the way, you know, the, the listener numbers for the show, despite how negative it's been over the last few weeks, have still been great. And it's, it's great that you guys are, are still supporting them and listening to the show, despite there not being much to shout about. So a, a big thank you from myself and the the, the guys that would days ago would really do appreciate it. So look, Gordon, we've, we've kind of talked about it already, but to, to sum it up, four points out of uh, 27 available. Eight goals scored, 23 conceded is a, a scary stat, which we've touched on in recent weeks. Our only win against Peterhead, who are arguably our sort of candidates along with Clyde um, for the, the bottom three. But one of the other things I looked at was the, the results yesterday. Peterhead hammering Dumbarton 5-0 is scary, considering what Dumbarton did to us um, about a month ago. You know, Clyde have beaten Cove and Alloa. You know, they, they've gone out and um, got some, some big, big results. Peterhead have beat Clyde. The, the teams above us are getting points and grinding out results, something which we are seriously, seriously doesn't look like we're, we're going to be capable of doing. Is it at the point after the first nine games that you've accepted that we're going down? Maybe not like fully accepted. I don't think I don't think it's done. It's not it's not done. Um, you know, teams have come back from this kind of position before. When the season started, you know, taking your kind of deluded supporter hat off, I genuinely thought we were going to get relegated. Um 
I just I looked, you know, when especially when we lost these players, I just looked at our squad and I thought, um, you know, clearly to me, us Clyde and Peterhead were a bit of a a step below other teams, and when I just looked at it, you know, trying to be kind of cold and logical, I thought we were going to finish bottom, um, and I haven't seen anything to prove that I was wrong. So, you know, if if I'm going to put money on it, yes, I would I would bet on us going down because I think you'd have to be, to say anything else is just being optimistic without any real reason for it. Um, like you say, I think, you know, even Peter Head, Peter Head are five points ahead of us. We only have four points. If we have another quarter like that, we will have eight points by the time by the time we reach the halfway stage, Peterhead could lose, you know, could lose every game, and they still be ahead of us. We have to be picking up more points now. But it's, it's quite. It looks like quite a close league, you know, from Queens Park in first down to Clyde in eighth. Still only six points. So other clubs are picking up points against each other, and that's actually bad. You know, when you're at the bottom, you want two or three other teams to kind of be detached a bit so you know, if we go on a wee run we can be confident that we might catch Peterhead and Clyde but you know with them just kind of grinding away picking up points you know it's going to make it tougher so we we really need to go on a run like you know this four points I, I'm not sure I've ever seen us start a season as bad as this I mean even I can remember when we were in the old first division Steve Archibald and well, Jimmy Bone, I, I'm pretty sure we picked up more than four, four points in the first quarter. I mean, we didn't pick up hardly any after that. But I can't remember as bad a start to a season as this. I mean, it is, we need massive improvement or we're down. It needs, it needs to be significant. Or, I mean, at the moment, we're heading down without a, without a fight, really. There's no, way, no other way of looking at it. I think that's that's a bit harsh because I think yesterday there was definitely a fight, you know, and I've said that publicly. Like the one thing I want to call out now, I don't know if there's any players that listen or not, but as fans, we can see you guys giving your all, right? And and I, particularly the last few games, maybe not all season, but the last few games, the players literally gave everything. And no, I, I agree with that, and I didn't I didn't necessarily mean to say without any kind of fight. You know, as individuals or a team, but what, what, you know, based on that first quarter, if you take the first quarter as a whole, we don't look like we're going to trouble eighth place. That's what I mean. You know, we're not at the moment. It doesn't look like it's even going to be close. And that's that's the worrying thing. Scott, what's your take? Pretty much exactly the same as Gordon's. Um, at the start of the season, I, I was. Being optimistic, saying eighth, eighth was a, a target in my head that we should have been aiming for, which is horrendous. But with Queen's Park coming into the league instead of forfeit, there's one terrible team out and one full-time free-spending team in, which drops us down to seventh, just going on what last year's would be, because um, we came sixth. So then... Dumbarton then spending money, like fairly big money, have new owners and things. Then in my head, I'm thinking, that's us down to eight then. Um, 
leaving Peterhead and Clyde behind us. I genuinely believe Clyde are terrible, bar David Goodwillie. Um, I've said it all season, it's David Goodwillie and 10 other cunts. Um, it's just, if if he gets injured, we've got a, a chance of catching them. But you're, you're, you're hoping for a guy to get injured. It's not really... Can, like, he could go the full season but, still being well, outrageous. All due respect, you. Scott, Goodwillie didn't kick a ball last week. You know, Steele marked him and he still came up uh, to two goals from someone else. But then was that because we were concentrating too much on him? Like, in my head, you, you cancel <laughs> out him. You cancel out him. That's the big target. And did someone forget about, was it Cunningham that scored twice? Yeah. Because nobody was marking him for the yeah. second one, especially. Like, might, might have been checking about him. He's got nine goals in nine games. Who's that? Good Willie. All right. Ridiculous. <laughs> so, hopefully he gets injured and we've got a chance for Clyde. With Peter Head, we beat them twice. Beat them another three times. Then we've got 12 points or 13 Scott, points for the season. We can't can, can look at that. I mean, they just pumped five goals past Dumbarton yesterday. And Dumbarton but we beat them twice. Fairly yeah, convincing, man. Yeah, but the, the second game, Scott, is uh, essentially a reserve team, right? Both was, was reserve teams and a cup that I'm sure that neither of them really cared about. The first game, although we won 3-0, Peterhead were largely the better team for, for big parts of that game. And don't let the scoreline mar that. You know, we, we scored uh, pretty late on as well. Um, to, to make it free so I, I don't want that judgment clouded it was a good game and we deserved the, over the course of it we probably deserved the three points but the the, the reflection or the, the goal scored didn't reflect the, the way of the game and you know maybe 1-0 would have been a fairer score but I mean even another point to look at then is we've scored eight goals this season and three of them came, came against Peyton Head in one game and we're still not averaging a goal a game so you know the point that I'm, I'm, I need to make, and if, look, if there's anybody on the board listening to this, there can't now be any argument for Darren to stay. There, there, there can't be, unless the board come out and tell us something different. Because one of the frustrations, you know, it was touched on last week, a lot of people are pissed off now at the board's silence. That That is the, the, the sheer frustration. Either come out and back the manager, or don't back him and, and we need to let him go. Because, look, let's be honest, we're going to get hammered by the Rovers at the weekend, right? And then, but again, this is another good time to change the manager because we're probably expecting to lose against Rovers. And this gives us, you know, it's the best part of two weeks to to advertise the job um, and get somebody in. And look, I've, I've drawn up a list of available managers, which I'll come to just now. But, Right now, you know, it's hard to, to disagree. I think it was Andy English's point that I brought up last week about us being treated like mushrooms and being kept in the dark by the way I did check that up and that was right. So well done, Gordon. Um, but I mean, that, that's how we feel right now. You know, there's the board are just kind of like, what was the Nigel Pearson quote? You, 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 you are an ostrich. And right now we are ostriches because our heads are buried in the sand and it's kind of like, maybe if we just pretend it's not happening, it's not happening. 
But and the harsh reality is, it is happening. We are rooted at the bottom of the table. We are five points off the team in second bottom place. We aren't scoring goals. We aren't really creating chances. Um, we're not defending well. And, and a lot of these things come down to the manager and the way that he's setting us up. And that's got to change. There, there's no excuses for that anymore. Um, and I think that, that you know, I, I, although I didn't agree with it, I, I respected some people's opinion stating we need to wait and play everybody once, right? I get that. I don't agree with it, but, you know, fair enough. If that's what the board were going to do, then, you know, those nine games are up now. And if we include the League Cup games, um, I think we've had, what, two, sorry, the, the Cup games, we've had maybe two wins in, since August? Is it's a seriously worrying statistic, you know. Even in the goals that um, that they start about four wins out of possible twenty seven, eight goals scored and twenty three against, that gets worse when you take into the um, into account like the 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 Kelty score and the Elgin score and all these sort of things where more goals are being conceded. I just personally, and I know that the majority of fans feel the same that it's Darren's time is is up. It has to be changed you know, yesterday, last week, two weeks ago even, and the fact that the board are communicating nothing to us literally seems that they were being treated as, you know, the fans will come in and pay their money anyway. So that was a bit of a long-winded rant for me, but I hope that both you guys, I mean, you got anything to say on that? Was that what you got on? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we've talked, we talked about this, for a while now and I think as much as you could say that yep, yesterday was a lot better and yesterday was a prov- improvement, I don't think yesterday should or will change anyone's mind. You know, if you thought if you thought that you know, keeping Dan Young's the best thing to do, well yesterday's not going to change your mind. If you thought you know, we need a change, I don't think yesterday should change your mind either because as much as it was a decent result you know, we still got beat. And, you know, a quarter, a quarter, you know, it's a natural time to look back. You played everyone's your nine games and, you know, it's just, it's there in black and white. It's absolutely not good enough. Now, if you're, well, anybody at East Fife, you have to, you have, you're looking at the same stuff we are. You have to look at that and say, we cannot go on the way we are. Now, we need to improve. What is it we need to do to improve? Like you, you know, you, you cannot sit there and think that there isn't some change needed. It's you know, it's just that is the head in the sand type stuff. And I appreciate they're not going to come out and go into the all, all of the ins and outs with everyone. But you know, the one thing you can't do is just sit and hope that it gets better. You know, that's not a strategy. You know, we. If, if if something doesn't something doesn't change, if something doesn't improve, we're down and that's it. Scott. I can't really elaborate much more than both of you have. The board do need to come out. They need to they need to either back them or sack them. Like there's no they can't just be silent in the background and let things go. They need to uh, like address everyone with what's even just what their thoughts are. Um, I know at big clubs, they don't come out and say, like, oh, Ollie's doing a pretty shit job at Man United just now. They've just dropped more points. Like, they don't do that. But 
when you're trying to be a smaller community club, you need to try and involve the community and let them know what you're thinking. I think, like, and be transparent with it all. Like, you see even Peter Heads with their their updates, their manager's constantly letting them know what's going on. The owner's letting them know what his thoughts are, what he thinks that the the aim for Peter Head should be this season, uh, what they're doing, like, oh, this is happening. Like, this season we've had two um, Dewey updates put on the website. That's That's been it. There's no... Like even previously, there was there's been targets, and we've kind of heard what the targets are like, fourteen points per quarter and whatnot. There's been no talk of targets. Well, there's even if we like, go on that same hypothesis, uh, fourteen points per quarter, we're ten points behind where we should be, and somebody needs to be held accountable for that. You know, um, it's look, it's, it's really difficult because one hand I feel really sorry for Darren because, you know, is been he's had the legs taken from him really really early on by losing McGuigan and Wallace but equally he's had two full months to, to rectify that issue and bring someone else in you know we went and we paid a fee for Dan Higgins I don't know how much that was but surely we could have done that for a striker even if it's somebody from the league below just go out and and, and buy someone that we think is going to make a difference but we've not done that but is that the board is that Dan who knows and we could just continue to go on that merry-go-round but for me you know the overwhelming feeling and our mailbag has never been so full of people criticising not just Darren but the board now want you know they want a Q&A now whether that's through Glory Days of Gold whether that's through the Supporters Club the Sports Trust whatever the overwhelming feeling from the fans is we want the opportunity to talk to the board and for them to, to, to answer questions that we've got and I've asked the question again today if we could get Jim or Liam or Stephen or whoever to come on and, and answer some of the questions that we've got because as fans we are entitled to know the answer. I don't want to turn it this to turn into you know the, the Man United fans going after the Glazers or the Spurs fans going after Daniel Levy because it's not about that. It's not the same. We are a family club. We constantly say that we're always five fans. You know, there's no there's no dividing line here. You talk about Man United and the Glazers and stuff. You know. Right for the start, that's us versus them. You know, we're Man United fans. You're not. We're all these five fans. You know, there's no, yeah, there's no sort of you know, natural animosity there. It's not. It's not no. that. And again, you know, you you would walk past uh, the board at East Fife and you would say hello to them because you know them for going to the the club for so long and you know they care as much as we do. But if they care as much as we do, they can't stand by and allow to what's happening now to continue to let it happen or if they are going to continue to let it happen, they need to tell us why they're continuing to let it happen and there be some form of transparency from them because this is where there's going to be a divide and I've not seen a divide like this since Aitchison left and Gary Naismith came in and, and what Gary did when he came in is he really brought everybody together, the fans, the board, the club, you know, it, it really brought that sense of family back into it and that's just dissipating constantly, it's just going away and getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's going to become an us versus them thing and I really don't want it to be that, so please listen to your fans, you know, we are your largest stakeholders, we are the people that you need to appease and right now you're letting us down. And the issue with silence is anyone can fill it with whatever they want. Yeah. So if you, if you hear nothing, if you don't communicate, 
know, things are going now, whether this is East Fife or, you know, we've probably all had similar situations at work or whatever. If people at the top don't communicate, people are left to imagine what they think it is. So yeah. then you start you start getting stories, you start getting rumours. Now maybe some of them are true, maybe some of them aren't. But if you let people, you know, make up their own, you know, come to their own conclusions, it's never a good thing. You know, they're never coming to the good conclusions about you. Yeah. You know, you're always better to come out and, to me, communicate and be honest about it. You know, it's you'll never be in a worse position because when you're when you're silent, people don't give you the benefit of the doubt. Harsh fact, and that's a good way to, to end that section. Before we move on to the questions from the listeners this week, I've drawn up a list of candidates because that's one thing that you guys, the listeners of the show, keep asking me, well, who do you remember again? Even Scott asked me that question earlier on, right? So I've had a look, and these are the names of stature-ish um, that are available just now. Now, I appreciate that some of them are going to be pie in the sky, so don't come out, well, why did you even put them on the list? The reason that I've put them on the list is because they're available. So the first one was Neil McCann, and I'll come to you both and you just say yes or no. That's it. I don't want any story. I don't want to know if you shook his hand when you walked past him and after he had a pish once. I just want a yes <laughs> or no. So, Gordon, Neil McCann, yes or no? No. Scott? Maybe. Maybe yes. Maybe yes no. or no, is it not? <laughs> like, what part of the assignment did you not understand? Yes or it's no? Too open a question. No. Thank you. Gordon, Brian Rice, yes or no? No. Scott? Yes. Gordon, Greg McDonald, yes or no? Yes. Scott? Absolutely not. Ray McKinnon, yes. Fuck no. 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 Scott? Nope. Stevie Crawford? Yeah. Scott? Yeah. Out of all the candidates, I probably think he's the most likely. Um, Mark Kerr? Gordon? No. Scott? No chance. John Hughes? No. See, I'd take him. Mark Burchill? No. Scott? No. And finally, Stuart Kettlewell? Yes. Scott? Yes, as well. So he's a lobby going, well, Lee, you've copped out and you've not answered that, so I'll give you my list. Neil McCann, yes. Brian Rice, yes. Greg McDonald, yes. Ray McKinnon, no. Scott, uh, Stevie Crawford, yes. Um, Mark Kerr, no. John Hughes, yes. Mark Burchill, no. Sure, Kerr, well, yes. I'm going to come back to the Greg McDonald argument. And I went, I'm, the person that I'm going to um, talk about, I'm going to name, rename, let remain nameless. That was not easy for me to say for some reason. But former Fife legend, I went and asked him the question, you know, who would you like to see us give the job to? And when I said, well, what about Greg McDonald? He's like, at times like this, bringing in a club legend can really be what you need. Now, whether you give them a long-term deal or not, or a short-term deal, 
that that player, because they've got that legendary status, instantly gets you the buy-in from the fans. Because if they're a legend, they're going to be instantly bought into the, the thought process of having them there, and it brings the club closer together. That's pretty much why I've said Greg McDonald from the get-go. I would love Stevie Frail to remain in situ and give Greg McDonald the job. That would probably be, to me, one of the smart things to do. Um, now, has Greg McDonald achieved a lot as a manager? No, of course he's not. But what he has is he's got an inside knowledge of the club. He knows the fans. He was a captain for us for years. He'll have the passion. He'll have the drive. He'll have the determination to, to really make a go of it. So, you know, he would be one of my top choices. Stevie Crawford, again, he's been here before. He's been here as a manager. He's been here as a player. We gave him a start. You know, could he be the sort of person that comes in and turns us around? Potentially, I think with Stevie Crawford, my only concern is there's not an awful lot of charisma with, with Stevie Crawford. Almost in a similar sort of mode as Darren, where, you know, you don't really see that outpouring of personality as opposed to the next person on that list is John Hughes. And I know he'll be a controversial one. And to be honest, I think it's pie in the sky I'm happening. Um, and you I mean, look, we've heard Kenny um, Juker talk about John Hughes as a person in the past. And, you know, his dad um, was the, the doctor at Falkirk and left because, you know, John Hughes was an arse. Kenny had arguments with, with John Hughes because he's an arse. Um, but could John Hughes have enough about him to get us organised and keep us up. I genuinely think he could. Even if we gave him a deal to the end of the season and just say, look, you keep us up, job's yours, two-year contract. Take us down and we'll make a decision based on how the performances look across the season. If he's sitting with his dick in his hand anyway, he's probably a good candidate to bring in. But, but to me, there's this thing, you know, I think sometimes basically, you know, being an arsehole gets confused with being a good leader. Um, you know, sometimes you get people, you get managers, you get leaders that are, you know, on the harsher end, you know, and they kind of kick folks' arses a wee bit. And that's that's fine. But you know, I think sometimes in football, you're just like, oh, we'll bring him in because he's an arsehole and he'll just you know, get him kicked into shape. I, I think John Hughes, you know, to me, one of the things I look at is, you know, some on people on these lists, one of the things I look at is, do, do they actually have experience in the lower league? Or, you know, even as a player or a manager, has he had that? Um, he's, you know, he's not he's not been popular the places he's gone. He has had some success, but, you know, we're just getting him in because we think he's a lunatic who'll shout at people. I don't think that's what we need. I think that's kind of rarely what you need, especially if you're looking at a kind of squad that are maybe a wee bit demoralised. Except sometimes there are guys... You know, a bit like that, like, you know, you look at Alex Ferguson, obviously that's a, a different world. And I, he could go mental at people, but he wasn't just a lunatic. You know, he, things he did, he did for a reason. And he was a good manager and he was a good leader. I don't think that's John Hughes, to be honest. Fair enough. I mean, that's football is obviously purely based on opinions. Now, this um, club legend that I said I spoke to, the name that he threw into the ring was one that kind of took me from the left. Brown Ferguson, Scott, you're instantly shaking your head. Now, this is some this is somebody that knows Brown fairly well and speaks very highly of him, a coach and an intelligent person. Why are you shaking your head at that? Because he's been horrendous at each club that he's gone to. So was it he was at Stenny, was he not? Yeah. 
and was horrific and got sacked. And he was a let's go after that. Yeah. And led them to like they're a good junior side. And absolutely took them down the band. I can't remember like they've they've sacked him and I can't remember who's in now, but two teams I would say that are that look at us as something that they would want to go and progress to. And they've got rid of him. Like I wouldn't even have him in the question, in my opinion. Cool, that's fine. That I mean, that's the whole point. I wasn't agreeing or disagreeing. I was just saying that it was, it was a name, and I, I put it out to you as my panel. Um, Gordon, it's a difficult one because you know, basically, what Scott said is bang on. I didn't know. I didn't know he's been sat for Linlithgow Rose. I think Brown Ferguson is someone. You know, I've I'm sure I've I've heard them speaking on a podcast or I've, I've seen interviews with him, and I always thought I quite like him. You know, he seems like quite a sharp guy. Um, you know, he's been he's been around the lower leagues for a long time. He's got the experience. He's been a good lower league player. He seems like the kind of guy who you think would make a good lower league manager. I think, from what I remember at Steny, you know, they were struggling. But from what I remember, the Steny fans seemed a bit shocked that they fired them. You know, I think they felt like, you know, the budget they had, the team they had, they were going down. It wasn't really Ferguson's fault. And I think they were a bit shocked and not particularly happy, if I remember right. I don't really know what's happened in at Linlithgow, but I suppose you've got to you've got to kind of say that he has had chances and he hasn't really hasn't really impressed. And so should he be should he be on the list? Maybe not. So again, quick fire, and I mean quick fire, no reasoning behind that. Simple answer. I'm looking at you when I say this, Scott. Out of the list of names I've given you, I want you to pick one. I can't even remember half the names right now. Neil McCann, Brian Rice, Greg McDonald, Ray McKinnon, Stevie Crawford, Mark Kerr, John Hughes, Mark Blutchell, Stuart Kettlewell, Brown Ferguson. Stuart Kettlewell, but there's no chance. You never know. Um, if, if not him, Crawford. So I asked you for one name and you gave me two. Failing yep. to understand the assignment as per usual, Mr Young. Gordon. Greg McDonald. Yeah, you going for heart overhead? Oh, I. I mean, I, I. To be honest, I. I think it is. It is heart overhead, and at least you have to admit that. But the the argument you gave there that, you know, sometimes bringing in a guy like that might just kind of, you know, give you that boost, bring everyone together, and you know, the one thing you'd have is everyone would be behind them. You know, if, for example, if 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 Dan moved on and we brought in Greg McDonald. You know, I think everyone would be behind him, behind the team from now until the end of the season, no matter what happened. And sometimes you might say, look, if Greg McDonald had never played for these five, would we would we be talking about Greg McDonald as a potential yeah. manager? No. Didn't be daft. But um he has played for these five. Everyone loves him. Um we kind of know the type of character he is. And I think that that a bit of a that kind of bit of a boost might might be that give us that edge. I agree with that. You know, for me, Greg's the sort of guy that really, really fits the bill in terms of when you use the word, and it's massively overused now, but he is a legend. So you kind of have that. I really don't want him to tarnish that. And Scott and I spoke about this off air earlier today. Like, you really would want to see that tainted. 
But even if, you know, again, we speak about Manchester United a lot in this podcast, but they're a massive club, <laughs> so that it's going to happen naturally. But, you know, if, in fact, we'll flip it. Say Steve Gerrard got the Liverpool job and made an arse it and they finished 10th. Do you think that would in any way diminish what he achieved there as a player? No, of course it would. Of course it wouldn't, right? You know, look at um, Graham Souness, who's widely regarded as one of the, you know, a, a massively famous Rangers player. You know, he what he did as a manager was pretty good. He went on to be a bit of a knobhead after it, but hasn't diminished what he's done as a player. You know, there's there's loads of examples of people going back as a manager. Kenny, Kenny Dalglish second spell at Liverpool as a manager. Yeah, it's never going to tarnish him. He's basically Kenny Dalglish's spell at Celtic. His yeah. manager. Yeah. Do you think that people don't consider him a legend? So there's loads and loads of examples of that. For me, you know, the, the, the famous Andy Tate quote from social media, like, give it gigs to the end of the season. You know, I would probably say, why not get in Greg McDonald and Kevin Fotheringham or Greg McDonald and Kenny Jukor or Kevin, uh, Greg McDonald and someday alongside them that, it's, that they're going to have the, the best interest of the club at heart. Stephen Tardy. <laughs> Stephen Quaid, can you imagine? <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm going to hang my hat and say I would take Greg McDonald out of that list. If we're going to go down anyway, which it pretty much looks like we're going to, I would rather that we were going down with a captain that'll stand by on the sinking ship rather than somebody that's going to do it and then go, well, everything was fucked before I got here. At least he would come in and you know he would work his balls off to, to get us out of that position because a lot of the other questions that people say to me is who comes in and actually wants this job right now you know a year ago if Dan had got promoted the applications would have been going through the door left right and centre because we were widely regarded as the best part-time club in the country we're not right now you know we're, we're not right now we're you know we're rooted at the foot of the table and it's going to be, take something really special to change that and not a lot of people are going to want a relegation on the CV so I don't think we're going to be a wash waffers you know, in the past, like I say, we've attracted some huge names as managers, John Robertson, Gary Naismith, you know, Stevie Crawford, you know, these people have, have all taken the job and had experience at international level and, and, and wanted to manage his life. I'm not sure so sure that we get that now. And somebody like Greg, somebody that I think would be attainable um, and could be a, a decent short-term solution. But look, as our listeners have asked us for the last couple of weeks, you got any left field suggestions or any other people that you might have heard of that might be looking for a job just now, get them in and we'll be more than happy to, to use them as, as a discussion point if that ever gets the bullet, but it's not looking like that's going to happen anytime soon. So we are going to wrap up the show, as always, by listening to your guys' questions. Our social media feed has been very, very, very busy um, over the last week and I'll come to some of the questions um, that we've had for our panel. So one that's literally just great timing by uh, Lewis Walker. Anybody else worried for the game against Wraith? We need a big support behind the team on Saturday. Um, Lewis, I'm equally worried about what the Rovers are going to do to us on Saturday. I think that it could be at least another 5-0 scudding, but at least we're a little bit more accustomed to it now than we have been in the past. Um, not much a question, more a statement from, from, from Lewis, but I'm sure that you guys will be as equally worried. To, to be totally honest, um done with the Challenge Cup B team's in it done with um, I don't give a crap about this competition training game it's a friendly cool yeah kind of agree with that anyway Scott after the Dublin thing it's kind of killed the competition off for me 
Yeah. Um, kind of wish that we just put out the under twelves or whatever and got pumped out first week because just a headache. Pretty much. Um, another question from our um, long-term listener, John Scott Neil Scott, asking, is there something more serious that, uh, behind the scenes going on? I don't think that there's anything serious going on, but obviously we would only speculate, and I think there's been enough speculation on this, this show without answering that question again, gents. Um, Craig Anderson at meaning underscore off underscore Fife. Have you thought about following the women's team instead? Nice seven goal margin, uh, margin of victory for the East Five Women's Club uh, and a nine to victory over West Dyke. But yeah, well, we'll take that. Um, unfortunately, no, I don't plan on switching my allegiance anytime soon. Uh, but great to see the, the women's team doing well. So, a question that came from Cam and Galloway at Cam underscore Galloway one. Can't help but feeling there's a similarity to Breakin and what's happening just now. Uh, they showed zero ambition when they went to the championship and look at them now. Football is changing and we are rapidly being left behind unless the board makes some changes and not just in management. Um, I responded to that one. Um, it's not something I tend to do before um, a show. I tend to just let the questions lie. But how? what I proposed to Cameron was, how would you propose to change? Um, we tried that when Murray was here. Um, as a me money and we almost went under um, personally I think that means someone who sold jobs to bring the cash into the club have a look around Bayview even the advertising boards haven't changed that much this year um, so I don't think there's really much else to say to that unless you've got anything to add I mean we're not a Breakin I know you know everyone looks at Breakin as a cautionary tale now as in you know they got promoted and it was relegation relegation Covid reprieve relegation like that's <laughs> the danger of what can happen but I think we're a bit away from being a breaking. I was, you know, I was, I was just head your nets on that. Oh dear! <laughs> but um, I was listening to a, a podcast with Dan Dodds was getting interviewed, and he was talking about some of the stuff that was going on at breaking. What a wee bit off that, um, you know. I would love not... you to send me the link to that. I'd like to listen to that. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I'll try really? to remember which one it is. Can't mind that. Open goal or. Through the no, these ones. I was listening to loads of them right at the start of lockdown, but I can't mind. Uh, I'll have a think. I'll, I'll, it's I'll potentially think. Danny's. Could could well be. Could well be Danny Denham's, yeah. Well, well they may have played together at Forfar because Danny was at Forfar for a bit, wasn't he? I think they maybe did, yeah. But it was very, very eye-opening. You know, it's like saying like they, they could barely find a place to train. Like, you know, they'd... There'll be some local schools seven a side pitch and they'd rent a third of it. And you know, that on an Astro, it's like that's them training. Whereas, you know, even just some of the difference, you know, we're still training at the Orium. Big, big difference in some of what was going on. But I appreciate, you know, ev- everyone getting relegated to League One now is going to go up oh, breaking. But yeah, you know, I think uh, I'm not quite there yet. Cool. Um so we got a question from Stephen at SJR10, and I like this one. I liked it because uh, it wasn't a question just saying why we're shit. So it was, since there's not much to be happy these days um, at East Fife, how about the panel's favourite away day memories and have they ever met anyone famous at an East Fife game? We'll come to you first, Gordon. Favourite away day memory has got to be uh, the Aberdeen Cup game back in 2011, almost exactly 10 years ago, I think, just past yep. the anniversary, just past. Well, just, a, just absolutely, you, you just couldn't ask for a better 
game. Like even just the way it went, it was fantastic. Three all. I think we went one nil up, and obviously we were giving it like you know, giving Aberdeen fans massive amounts of stick. Um, but then they go two one up, and then they're giving it right back to us. You know, like thousand Aberdeen school kids rattling the fences, uh, <laughs> and then we we score two goals in about five minutes. And you know, just the feeling you've got when you're like. Oh, I can go right up to this fence and give them absolute dogs abuse, and there's nothing they're going to be able to do about it. Um, brilliant! And the way the, the way the penalties went, um, there was some some big fat guy in the the stand next to us, and he was coming over like shouting at everyone. And he, after a few rounds of like you fat bastard, he lost his mind and like tried to basically climb over the fence and get in, and got chucked out by the police. You're like, oh. This is brilliant. Just everything's going right today. Um, aye, that was fantastic. Brilliant. And met, ever met anybody famous at an East Fife game? At an East Fife game? Um, no, I mean, you know, like taking away people that are famous because they're directly related to, you know, what's going on. Like, nah, no, nobody. Oh, I, I mind I met Alex McLeish. Um, I, I was. No, this was ages ago, um, and he, I, guess I was a kid, and he, I think he was Motherwell manager at the time, and he was, he must have been scouting Kevin Christie, because I'm sure he signed, you guys probably don't even know who that is, who <laughs> signed Kevin Christie like a week later, but I'd, I'd, for some reason, I'd found his autobiography in my school's library, and I'd been reading Alex McLeish's autobiography, so I went and asked him for his autograph, and he gave it to me. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Scott? Hey, away days the same. Like, I, I doubt anything I'll ever top that. That was ridiculous. Um, famous people? <sighs> don't know. Outside of football, who's the most famous person you've met? Outside of football? Yeah. Um, Joey Essex. Wow. <laughs> um... I didn't meet him, but I was about two or three metres away from Vladimir Putin. I, w- I worked in Edinburgh Castle one summer and he was attending some sort of do. Um, this was before he was like a Bond villain type character. He was just <laughs> pres- president of Russia back then. And um, I was working in the gift shop and he drove past and he just looked very bored as he was like slumped against the window of his limo. So. No, yeah. Sometimes work, I get com- I get confused when I think about what they look like between Vladimir Putin and Vladimir Romanov. Um, even, even just thinking about them, they do look actually a little bit similar. Uh, my most famous person I ever met was Will I Am. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. Um, Will I Am um, did a partnership with uh, the company that I worked for um, and they turned up at one of our events and everybody got a picture with him. So uh, Will I Am is a pretty cool one. I've met Girls Allowed. Um, at HMV when they opened HMV in Kirkcaldy there's a good story <laughs> do, um, try, do you try your luck try your luck with any <laughs> I was only 16 at the time um, but yes um, there's a good story behind that if you if you ever want to to know the full story of that buy me a pint at Bayview and I'll, I'll be sure to, to tell you the, the, the story that was behind that but there you go that was a wee bit of a, a fun section before we come back to the oncoming misery from our, our social media feed um, in your opinion what action and communication from the board is required to explain and rectify the situation in the club and find itself and the likely consequences so I think we've touched on that already Andy um, I think for me we need to, to come out and it needs to be a Q&A 
and we could ask the board the questions that I think we are entitled to know the answers to. Um, if we don't do that, I think that the really less um, that the board really risk the fans becoming disengaged with them as a board of directors, and it's not long before the you know sack the board chance start coming back to Bayview, which we've been away from for a long time, and I, I hope that's something that we never have to return to. Um, any of you guys can add to that? Hi, Dun. Dun with Brun. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's let's hope we don't get back to those days. But Denny's have anything to add to that? No, I think I'd agree. I think a you know a Q and A would be good, and I think um, you know just somehow like we're talking about like you know this sort of back or sack. If if you know if if there's some if you give us the reasoning, if you're if you're backing Darren Young and you're confident, like look, it's not his fault. It's not his it's not his lack of ability as a manager that's got us into this place. Like explain that to us. I think. Yeah, fair enough, Scott. Yeah. Exactly the same. Cool. Just just tell us someone. Yeah. Um, at Paddy McAleer, why is the recruitment in the end being young boys? Why is it uh, went so wrong this year with the signs compared to previous windows? Screaming out for an experienced striker. If Peterhead wasn't in our league, uh, we would be on one point and out of a cup. I truly believe that. Uh, me too, mate, because if Peterhead weren't in our league, we wouldn't have played them and we wouldn't have got the three points. So, um, yeah, no, all joking aside, I, I do take your point. The recruitment in the end being young boys, it's not just been young boys. I mean, Dan Higgins isn't exactly like a 17-year-old, but then I suppose equally you look at Jude Smith, um, you look at um, Semple and Connell, both fairly young and inexperienced. I think that the, the real answer behind that is um, we panic bought um, a few players. Um, you know, I say a bond, so for me still strikes as a panic buy. Divine seem, uh, strikes me as a panic buy. You know, it just looks like, um, especially the Divine one, it was a bit like we better do some sort of business or the fans are going to go mental. Really, Gallagher we brought in was an experienced player and that didn't work out, whereas we've signed Smith, who's a young player and has worked out. So I, for me... It, I'll probably contradict myself a bit here, but it doesn't matter what age you are if you're good enough. Um, and, you know, some of the boys that we've brought in, Semple looks like he could be a decent signing, Smith looks like he could be a decent signing, whereas more experienced players haven't worked out. So I think that the, the real reason behind it, if you want to know my answer, is, is we can't compete financially with the, the other clubs for experienced players. But any of you guys want to throw your hat into the ring for that one? No, I agree. Well, I think we've got we've got experience in the team. You know, um, you look for back to front. You have got Higgins, Dunlop, Dunsmore, Miller, Murdoch. Yeah, Manus, Miller, Denham, Watt. You know, uh, I think, I think lack lack of experience is not the problem. Um, another question from Logan Homer: um, If we go down this year, should the board be held accountable for not acting earlier? In fact, not acting at all, just silence. I think we've answered that one, so I don't think that we need to go into that again. And Jaden Fairley at Jaden uh, EFFC, does that need to go? Again, we, we've answered that one um, pretty loud and clear. So I did say that we were trying to keep it to an hour and a half. We're almost there. Um, there's one thing that I do want to shout out, and it's a huge, huge well done to uh, Tam Coops, um, who went out and publicly... Um, sort of got it right up the, the Ross County bigots with the um the sort of 
white hooded master Malky Mackay is their manager and um, their fans making racist um, comments at Giando Fuchs and he went right up to them with show the racism the red card and that's exactly the, the sort of leadership that you want to see at your club and I wanted to give a huge shout out to, to Tam Coots for that and I'm sure both you guys will agree Oh yeah, brilliant yep. just can't accept that stuff it's not on Yeah, um, I gave him a message well after the game as well and said well done takes a lot of balls to do that Especially, he's just—he's in a job that nobody expected him to get, yeah. and he's come out blatantly going against opposition fans to to root and out something that has stuck. That's been three three times in three weeks. There's now been a racist um, comment made at well that game, air game the week before and two weeks before the one at Fash. Yeah. So fair play. I'm trying to get it out. Kick that shit right out of our game, um, and I'm so glad that it's something that I could happily say that I've I've never heard it be viewed. But I'm I'm pretty sure that myself and along with you guys as well, if that was heard at a game, um, we would be instantly calling the person out for doing so. And I hope that that continues for a long time. Before we go, everybody's favourite section. Let's all laugh at. There's been quite a few comedy moments um, in the lower leagues and then across football. Um, this year but my let's all laugh at is actually going out with Scottish football again and I'm going to say let's all laugh at Real Madrid because Real Madrid are in an absolute shambles at the moment they've been beat by a team is it from Moldova? Yeah or yes. somebody totally Sheriff Sheriff What the hell um, and then proceeded to get beat today um, by Espanyol um, this was a club that looked to spend £180 million on one player um, for Kylian Mbappé from Paris Saint-Germain. And I think it's absolutely hilarious to, to see them in such free fall. Gordon? Um, the only thing I can think of that's kind of got me chuckling away over the past week, there was a tweet somebody's done about the, the new, it was like a, it was like a wee clip from the new FIFA game where uh, um, it was like involved Newcastle United. And it was like, oh, Newcastle, they're on a penalty shootout. I think uh, they, they scored the winning goal and like the players and management and coaches like run off the bench to sort of congratulate the winner. But I mean, the headline of the tweet was something like EA, like why, why did you give Steve Bruce pace 99? Because you see like the players with substitutes running off the bench and then Steve Bruce is just like, Vroom! Like right past them. <laughs> it was quite funny. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in that picture, Alan St. Maximan, like the quickest player in the <laughs> Premier League, is running behind them. But the only um, answer that I've got for that one is there's got to be an ice cream van or something like that. It's <laughs> moving that quick. There, was a, there, was, there was a shout over the tannoy, like the pie stall's almost empty. <laughs> Chips, pies, and gravy are now going down half price for the remaining the second half. I know it's a bit um, rich for us to be making fat jokes, but I know. Um, Scott, <laughs> you got anything to add? Um, my let's all laugh at has got to be the the sarcastic clap from uh, the Fairman manager yesterday that had me in absolute stitches this morning. Well, the fans go mental and just a wee double clap as he half looks at them and walks off. It was killed me. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Not getting it easy as uh, Peter Grant. And by the way, I, I don't know about you guys, but I watched the Rovers Dunfermline game. And I actually thought the Pars played pretty well. Um, you know, obviously they're maybe just up for a bit more by Darby, but them like us seem to be in an absolute shit show. 
Uh, them, them, us, Cowden Beast, all staring relegation in the face. <laughs> Meanwhile, you've got Rovers, Townsend, Kelly, um, uh, and and, yes, and Kelty yeah. running away with League Two. Yep. Ah, well. But that's pretty much it from us at Glory Days of Gold for another week. Um, I don't think I've got anything else to add. You know where to find these pair of legends online. That wasn't the word you were expecting. Good answer. That wasn't the word you were going to expect me to say. But really enjoyed the show this week. But I've tried to to not just make it a depressing one. We've tried to to make it a little bit more enjoyable. But we'll be back next week. Until then, take care, stay safe, and more importantly, one the five. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.